for our church, uh, that God will use us and lead us in the weeks and the months to come. Last week, Sunday night, we were, I was at my home group, uh, uh, going through the questions, discussing, uh, just, we have an awesome time at our, at our group, and if you're not in a group, you should be in one. If you are in a group, I know you've heard a lot of stories, how you, your, your group's a lot like mine. And we were, we were in, our, in our group, and we'd actually already gone through all the questions, and somebody in, in the group said, um, Scott, I, I just got a question. Said, we're, we're talking about prayer, we're, we're talking about, we're praying as a church. I said, but can I just be honest for a second? I said, no, this is not a place for that. No, I didn't say that. I said, I said yeah, what, what's going on? And he said, she said, man, I did this last hour. He, she, I'm trying to make it generic so you don't know what I'm talking about. Um, this person said, I get that we're, that, that we're praying, but God is also sovereign. Uh, he knows everything. I mean, he, his plans are in stone. Uh, I mean, he knows nothing escapes his mind. So, I, I'm just being honest about this. I, does prayer really matter? <clears throat> Man, does it make a difference? That's a good question. Man, that's a, that's a formidable question to discuss. And so we discussed it for a little while. It's such a good question that that's actually the question that I want to answer this morning. As we, we jump in a little bit deeper, does, if God is sovereign, if he knows everything, uh, if there's nothing that escapes his mind, if there's nothing that escapes his eye, if there's nothing outside the span of his hand, does, why pray? Does it matter? Does it make a difference? Uh, when Grayson was born, some of you know this story, when Grayson was born, our eight-year-old, um, he was born with two collapsed lungs. He was in bad shape. So bad that the NICU that he was in uh, asked us to not come and visit him. Uh, they said, he, we're, we're trying to get him on the road to recovery and healing. And, and I know this is tough as parents, but we're just going to ask you to not come in here because it, it stirs him up a little bit. He recognizes your voice. It makes him breathe harder. And he doesn't, he, he's not healing whenever you're around. So, I know this is tough. I know your mom and dad, uh, but we're just going to ask that you not come into the NICU to be with Grace. And when they said that, we knew it was pretty bad. And so we started we started to send word uh, to friends literally around the world. Grayson was born. He's not doing well. Um, he's not healing at this point. Would you pray on our behalf and on behalf of Grayson that God would touch him and heal him? Did those prayers matter? Did those prayers make a difference? Did God have a plan? And no matter what we pray, no matter how much we pray, did it matter? That's what we're going to look at this morning. Normally, we walk through one text and we and we we discuss it. This morning's going to be a little bit different. I'm going to try and make a uh, try and create some tension. And then I'm going to try and, and, and show you what the Bible, what the scriptures teach us about prayer. So we're going to actually walk through a lot of verses. In fact, Jordan said before the first service, man, you got a lot of verses you're reading today. So that's exactly what we're going to do. We're not going to walk through one text, but still want to try and make this, this argument, create this tension, and then make this argument. Does prayer matter? God is in charge. He knows everything. 
prayer matter. So if you have your Bible, you turn to Ephesians. You're not going to be able to keep up with everything, but we're going to hang out in Ephesians for just a second. Ephesians chapter 1. And uh, the rest of the verses, you're going to want to write these down and then go back and, and see, make sure that what I'm saying about them are true. Um, and so uh, you won't be able to keep up, but, but we're going to work through this. This person in my group was making an assumption that God is sovereign, that he knows everything. But is that assumption true? I mean, does God really know everything? Does he really, uh, does nothing escape his mind? Does nothing escape his eye? Is there nothing that escapes the span of his hand? I mean, that's an assumption that was made in, in my group last week. But is that assumption true? Let's see what the scriptures have to say. Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. Is God sovereign? I believe that he is. But do that, is that what scriptures teach? Here's what it says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Now, before you squirm in your chair too much, the, this predestination, this God chose us before the foundations of the world. In, in, in this room and in the last hour, we are all over the map on what does the scriptures teach specifically about, about that. All right? We are all over the map, the map on that. I know that because you have argued with me, many of you. Uh, not, 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 I mean, in a fun way, yes, but still. What is the scripture teaching? I mean, there's, there's disagreement there. And, and I think that's a good thing. I think it's a great thing, actually. That's something that we can disagree on and, and yet still worship together. That's something that we can disagree on and we can challenge each other. What are the scriptures saying? What, am I missing something in the scriptures? I think that's a great second-tier doctrine for us to disagree, to disagree on. I think it's a good thing. The, and the best thing about it is that's not what I'm talking about this morning. <laughs> Here is what I'm saying. I think we would all agree that Ephesians is saying that nothing takes God by surprise when it comes to the salvation of the saints. I mean, nothing takes Him by surprise. He knows who knows is who is going to know Christ and who knows Christ and who has known who has given their life in a saving way. Their, their sins have been forgiven. He knows that. Nothing escapes his mind on that. He knows it all. Now there's disagreement in the role that he plays and, 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 and all of that. And that's good. That's, that's okay. I, I love that. I love that about our church. But we would all agree that when, when Saul, when Saul was, was riding down the road towards Damascus and he met Jesus on the road, I don't think anybody in our church would go, whenever he responded in a saving way to, to meeting Jesus, that God said, I, I did not see that coming. <laughs> well, well, that sure took me by surprise. I don't think anybody would disagree with that in our, in our church. God knows everything. Nothing escapes his eye. Nothing takes him by surprise. 
James Dobson, he used to be in charge of focus on the family. He had a, an interview with a guy who's a mass murderer, his name Ted Bundy. And uh, before he went to the electric chair, there were, James Dobson sat down with an interview with, with Ted Bundy. It's fascinating. I think you can find it on YouTube. And he, he sat down and he had an interview, fascinating interview. And, and, and uh, Ted Bundy talked about how he was sorry for his crimes. He, he had asked for forgiveness. He had received forgiveness from many of the families and from God. And he had given his life to Christ when he got to prison. He, he was a broken man over his crimes. I don't think anybody here would go. You know, that probably took God by surprise. I mean, there's no way God saw that coming. He knows. Nothing escapes his mind. He is the sovereign God of the universe. Not only does he know, but he is in the present throughout all of eternity. What that means is when a new nation was born in 1776, that's not something that God simply remembers. He is there right now. That, that's in the present. He is talking in the present tense. He is there right this second. 800 years before Christ ever showed up on the earth, before Jesus ever showed up on the earth, that is present day for God. Right now, 2050, 2500, I mean, however long the Lord tarries, that is not something that he knows is going to happen. He is there right now in the present tense. Let that boggle your mind for a minute. He is sovereign king of the universe. His reign and his rule are secure. No one rivals his throne. And yet, last night, I went to tuck in my kids, as is my custom. Some nights, Mary Jo will come, and most of the nights, it's my job privilege Depending on the night, it's a privilege. Some nights, it's a job, okay? <laughs> um, and we'll always pray. Grace will pray first. He'll pray about the day. And then Molly Kate will pray, and, and she'll just say, it's a great day over and over and over and over and over again. <laughs> and then I'll pray. And, and, and my prayers, most nights, will go something like this. God, I, I thank you for the great day that you've given us. The friends, you know, and talk about the day. And how that was a gift from God. I want my kids to know every day is a gift from Him. And then I'll say, Father, I, I want to thank you for saving grace and soul. For forgiving Him. Lord, I, I, I thank you that you are His Savior. Lord, I pray that you would continue to woo Him to yourself. And that He would respond in, 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 to your wooing. That He would know you more intimately. That He would make your name famous to His friends. At Webster Primary School. And then I'll transition and my prayer will continue like this. Father, I pray that you would save Molly Gates' soul, my three-year-old. I pray that she will know you. I pray that, that she will understand her need for a Savior. And she will respond to that need for a Savior. If God is sovereign, as we just saw in the scriptures that he is, does that prayer make a difference? I mean, I sure hope it does. As a dad who loves this little girl, I pray that it does. 
I want it to matter. I want it to make a difference. Does it make a difference? Does it, does it matter? Does it, does it change anything when it comes to the sovereign God of the universe? Because as a dad, I want it to matter. And I know, based on conversations that I've had with many of you who have wayward kids, kids that don't know Christ, who pray for them diligently, day after day after day, you want to know the same thing. Do my prayers matter? Do they make a difference to the sovereign God of the universe? He is sovereign. I got some more verses. It doesn't stop there. Job 42, 2. I know that you can do all things, that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Your plan, your purposes cannot be derailed. They will not be thwarted. Proverbs 16, 9. Just write them down. You go back and look at them. The heart of the man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. You're type A, you like plans? You don't, you don't execute those plans unless the Lord establishes those steps, according to Proverbs. Psalm 115, 2 and 3. Why should the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Psalm 135, 5 and 6. For I know that the Lord is great, that our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does, in heaven and on earth, in the seas and all deeps. Isaiah 46, 9, the last part of 9 and 10. I am God, there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand. I will accomplish my purpose. I could keep going. In fact, when I was doing a, a study on this in the commentaries, over 70 verses, over and over and over again about God's sovereignty, his plans cannot be thwarted. He, nothing escapes his purview. Nothing escapes his mind. Nothing escapes his eye. Nothing is outside the span of his hand. Nothing passes his mind. His throne has no right. He's sovereign. He's the sovereign king of the universe. But if you keep reading in the scriptures, something kind of amazing happens. <clears throat> Throughout the scriptures, you see that the people of God go to him and they ask him for things. They ask him to, on, on their own behalf. They ask him on behalf of other people. They ask him on behalf of nations. And the amazing thing is that the scriptures tell us that he hears those prayers and then he answers them. Let me show you what I mean. Exodus 32, 9-14. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. He's talking about church people. <laughs> now therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may not burn hot against them. And I may consume them in order that I may make a great nation of you. So here's what is going on. God took the Israelites out of Egypt. And he brought them, and he was gonna, he, he had a promised land for them. But you know the story. They, they didn't believe God, and so they're going to hang out in the wilderness for 40 years. Eventually. Well, they've been in the wilderness for a certain amount of time. 
And they are mumbling, they're groaning, they've turned their back on God, the one who delivered them from Egypt. And God is ready to take them out. In fact, he goes to Moses and he says, I am tired of, this, of these people. They are driving me nuts. And so what I'm going to do is I want you to hide behind a rock. I'm going to take them all out, and then I'm going to start over with you. And then he goes on to say, and don't try to talk me out of it. Don't try to talk me out of it, Moses. This is my plan. This is what I'm going to do. Get behind the rock. I'm taking them out. And look at how Moses responds. But Moses implored the Lord his God, verse 11, and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, with evil intent did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heavens and all this land that I have promised I will give to your offspring and they shall inherit it forever. And look at how the Lord responded. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. So the sovereign God of the universe goes to Moses and he says, I'm going to take them out. They're tired of them turning their back on me. I'm tired of them turning to other gods that are no gods at all. I'm tired of their complaining. I'm tired of their stiff of, of those, I'm tired of these stiff-necked people. I'm taking them out. And Moses says, God, please don't do it. Don't do it. Remember your promises. Please don't take them out. And the Bible tells us that God heard the prayers of Moses and he relented. The sovereign God of the universe. If you don't believe me yet, I've got more. <laughs> James 5, 16 through 18. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And then he gives us an example. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He was a simple man. He prayed fervently that it might not rain for three and a half years, and it did not rain. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruits. James 4.2, the end of verse, of verse 2. You do not have because you do not ask. That does not mean that you would have anyway because God has a sovereign plan. That's not what the verse is saying. It does not mean the opposite of what it says. The scriptures, the, the, the scriptures that, that um, are God-breathed, just like the, the God-breathed scriptures that talk about God's sovereignty, Say that you do not have because you do not ask. There are things that, that I want to give to you, but you don't have them because you have not asked for them. That means that prayer causes things to happen that would not happen if we did not pray. That is why prayer is a staggeringly glorious privilege. Wrap your mind around that for a few minutes. We have been invited by the sovereign God of the universe who created the vast oceans by the breath 
of his voice, who, who created the mountains by the span of his hand. And the God reads scriptures say that we have been invited to come into his presence and to ask him for things. Any answers? Does he answer how we pray all the time? Obviously not. But we've been invited to come. And it says that he hears us. And he answers us. When we pray, I put in my notes, the sovereign God of the universe who runs all things and knows all things has folded into his plan the, plan, the prayers of the righteous. I've got more. Second Chronicles 7.14 If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin and heal their land. First John 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Philippians 4.6 Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Implication, he hears our requests. Psalm 107.6 Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He delivered them after they cried for trouble. You say, well, he would have delivered them anyway. He's sovereign. That's not what the scriptures say. So we get back to our first question. Is God sovereign or does he answer prayer? Yes. <laughs> I put this in my notes. I know some of you are thinking, Scott, you said some pretty stupid things up there, but this one takes the cake. And I don't disagree. I mean, it, these, these things seem to be in, in contrast. They seem to, to um, be mutually exclusive. I mean, how can the God of the universe, who knows all things, nothing escapes his mind, how can he hear the prayers of a broken, sinful man and change his mind? I don't get it. I don't understand it. And yet, I know it's true. Because the scriptures say it. So we're going to pray. We're going to pray because the scriptures tell us that he hears us and he answers it according to his perfect will. Let me give you seven reasons that we pray very, very quickly. Number one, seven reasons that we pray. Number one is this. When we pray, we follow Jesus' example. Jesus prayed a lot. When we pray, we follow Jesus' example. Number two, prayer shows our dependence on God. I cannot, but you can. I don't know, but you know. I can't change my circumstances, but you can. Number three, prayer is how we communicate with God. Number four, 
prayer allows us to, to participate in God's eternal work. I love what Louis Giglio says. He talks about how the, the, all of eternity is a stage. And, and through prayer, we are able to play a small role in the eternal uh, stage that God is designing, that God is unfolding. Prayer allows us to participate on, in God's eternal work. Number five, because prayer changes things. We've talked about that. You're in a difficult marriage. Money is gone. You have a wayward child. Pray. Because prayer changes things. Number six. Prayer gives us power over evil. Number seven. We do it because we're told to. We pray because that's what we're commanded to do in the scriptures. Is God sovereign? Does he know everything? Yes. Does he relent? Does he answer our prayers? Does he in some sort of sense change his mind when we bring our petition? Do things happen that would not happen if we did not pray? Yes. I don't understand it. And yet I know it's true. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. It's a staggering thought to, to know that we have been invited into your presence to offer our petitions to you and you answer them according to your perfect will. And yet at the exact same time, as true as, as that is, we also have confidence that the one that we worship, the one that we praise, sits on a secure throne. He has nothing takes you by surprise. You are in complete and total control. Outside of our understanding, and yet it's a warm blanket to our soul. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.